the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Pack your bags. It's time for Fun in the Sun with Barron's Spring Break Getaway Giveaway. Any Barron purchase now through February 29th enters you for a chance to win. Whether it's a new comfort system, maintenance, or a tankless water heater, you could win a trip for four. Cabo, Hawaii, or cruising the Pacific. Picture yourself soaking up the rays with Barron's Spring Break Getaway Giveaway. And that's not all. Save up to $7,000 on an energy-efficient Daikin Fit Enhanced Heat Pump, providing year-round comfort that both heats and cools. Plus, it qualifies for the 25C tax credit. Or choose same-as-cash financing. Install today and pay nothing until next year. Every Barron purchase could be your ticket to a dream destination in Barron's Spring Break Getaway Giveaway all February. And Barron's Silver Shield members get 10 extra entries. Not a member? Sign up today. Don't wait for that ship to sail. Call now. Barron, your full-service HVAC, electrical, and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. No purchase necessary. Visit BarronHeating.com for details. Dr. John's Auto Clinic, located in Bellingham on Kentucky Street, is here for your auto repair and service needs. Trusted and affordable auto repair in Bellingham for over 25 years. Ask about their oil change and maintenance inspections. You can hear Brian from Dr. John's Auto Clinic every Saturday on In the Shop on News Talk 790 KGMI. Or check out Dr. John's Auto Clinic at djautoclinic.com. And on Facebook for the latest in auto repair news. Dr. John's Auto Clinic, reliable, honest, and a part of this community for over 25 years. Hmm, roof leaking. It would appear. The same roof you were going to call Jostin's Roofing about last summer? Yeah. Now what? Could you just hand me a mop? Sure, if you think you're going to use it now or wait till next year. (laughs) Sorry. A leaky roof? It's no laughing matter. Go to jostinsroofing.com to schedule a free estimate. You don't have to wait till summer. Jostin's Roofing will keep you dry and leak-free all year long. Spelled like Justin's. Visit J-O-O-S-T-E-N-S. Jostin'sRoofing.com. Well, after a fall of speaking out, over a thousand farm workers voicing their frustration with the changing laws here in Washington State and how it's causing them to make less money, they were back. And this time, not in eastern Washington, they came to Olympia. As we've talked about here on the program, it's been a few weeks ago now. I was there, Safe Family Farming was there helping support, but it was led by the Center for Latino Leadership. Uh, 300 farm workers in Olympia saying, no overtime. We don't want overtime. Why? Why on earth would someone not want overtime? A lot of people are asking, and we've explained it many times here on the program, um, just how it doesn't, as much as overtime can be potentially a good thing for somebody working an office job or a factory job, it doesn't fit the highly seasonal work that happens in farming. And we're just continuing to check in with more people out there. You know, recently we talked with Alex Lanusa in Kashmir uh, about what this whole situation has meant for him and his pear farm. Joining us right now on the Farming Show, and welcome, by the way, I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. Um, joining us right now on the Farming Show uh, from over on the east side, again, uh, is Eric Savala. He is uh, field staff 
uh, director of field staff, I should say, for Bluebird Incorporated, a, a cooperative of growers with uh, fruit that they produce uh, from the Canadian border all the way down to Oregon, um, based there in the apple capital of the world in Wenatchee. Eric, thanks for being here. Talk about what people are saying right now. You know, you're, again, director of field staff, you know so many people. You're working with them in the field. You're hearing what what's going on in their lives. What is this? How is this affecting people? Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks, Dylan, for, uh, for inviting me. And, uh, yeah, so basically uh, uh, being with the, with the field staff and having uh, growers of myself, I, I get the opportunity to work with uh yeah, big and small growers, uh, family farms, and and this this is uh, definitely affecting the grower. But also, I do have uh, friends and family members that uh, do work uh, as as laborers, uh, either pruning, picking, thinning, you name it. Uh, and and this this new law of the forty hours uh, basically is, is filled with. Uh, misinformation and also disinformation in a way that, yeah, it sounds wonderful. It sounds great that uh, after 40 hours, uh, my family members were going to start earning uh, overtime. But when reality hit, uh, once they hit those 40 hours, uh, they had to basically told uh, come back on Monday because there's no way that the small grower is able to pay overtime on on salaries that are already pretty high so this this uh this information uh kind of backfired because everybody was yep. so excited that that yeah i mean i'm gonna get get paid overtime and and everybody started doing the math and i mean they're already thinking about getting the new car or buying a new house whatever but uh nobody was uh, basically anticipating that the the, the small family farm and even the big corporations, uh, the, they were not going to be uh, not willing, but able to pay overtime. So talk about the yeah, Is that you know, you're saying that uh, if threshold for overtime is at 40 hours a week, which it is now as of, you know, the first of this year, um, yes. people can work their 40 hours. But then the farmer saying we can't afford to pay that 50 percent more uh, per hour for your time beyond that. So we're going to say, call it a week then. And instead what bring in more workers um, to get the job done. Are people able to find workers? Some people have said, well, you know, obviously there must not be a labor shortage if farmers are, are doing it that way. How, how is that playing out for folks? Uh, well, it definitely uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really difficult. Uh, I, I personally have growers that, once once that 40 hours hits, uh, they, the actual farmer and their family, I mean, uh, their sons, their in-laws, uh, the, the farmer's wife, they're having to put on the cherry bucket or the, the bag to, to pick their own apples until the new week rolls in. So this is really affecting affecting them. And when it comes to, to fruit, which is a very perishable commodity, it's not like, well, you, we'll just shut off the line and then come back on Monday and pick <laughs> yeah. up where we left. Yeah, you could uh, it's, actually it's, cause uh, more damage by doing that, by having fruit go to rot, right? Absolutely. I mean, uh, especially like in cherries, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a very short window. And with the, the extreme weather we've been experiencing the past years, uh, you can, I mean, the difference between being able to pick your fruit 
today and then then don't pick in three days because you already topped off on those 40 hours uh it is the difference whether you pick or you don't pick at all yeah uh, it just just it's, it's so critical that the fruit needs to get picked when the fruit is ready to be picked well, and part of the, the larger perspective problem for the grower right now is that this cost of getting things picked, of paying for the folks to do it, keeps going up and up and up. Okay, but the price that they're getting for the fruit isn't going up and up and up, right? And that's kind of where the squeeze happens. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's, that's, uh, that's reality. So, I mean, everything, uh, I mean, everybody knows that uh, inflation is a reality, and, and everything is, is going up in price, fuel, chemicals, labor. Uh, but unfortunately, the returns to the grower, uh, they're stagnant. They, they've been there and, and it has not increased. And like especially like last year, uh, the price of cherries was so low that when we did the math of how much you would be able to pay to get the fruit picked and seeing the returns that the grower was going to get per pound, uh, personally, Several of my growers uh, decided not to pick because they, yeah, they were going to employ the, the worker, but they were literally going to have to get money out of their wallet to pay this grower, uh, this workers, because th- they were going to lose money by picking. We had that uh, a year or two ago um, when I shared a, a video of a farmer in his field of cantaloupe uh, over in Eltopia. Um, that he chose not to pick because he couldn't afford to do it. Now, that that was so hard for a lot of people on social media to wrap their mind around. They're thinking, well, the the fruit is there, um, how and and you've grown it to that point. Why couldn't you just pick it or or then you know make it available to the food bank or or tell the public to come get it? It doesn't work that way, does it? It does not work that way. I mean, uh, liability, uh, of course. Once you get Anybody, I mean, basically, if you want to give up the fruit, say, for free, come and pick it. Uh, as soon as somebody steps foot on your farm, you're responsible for their safety. And if somebody has an accident, uh, falls from the ladder, you name it, or somebody gets sick because of the fruit that they picked out of your orchard, now you're responsible for that. So yeah. even though all that time from literally the previous year, from pruning all the way to D-Day, you know, harvest time, and when the math is done and they cannot pick the fruit and, and it's and it's cheaper uh, to just let it hang. Uh, one, one of my growers said the only earnings I'm going to get this year is the money that I'm not going to lose. Mm. Uh, so basically they they already accepted that all that investment that went into producing that piece of fruit uh, is there already. But wh- why lose more money by by picking it and then having the warehouse telling them, you know, we couldn't sell it, so we're going to have to just throw it away. Exactly. Again, Eric Savala is with me. He's director of field staff for Bluebird Incorporated over in Wenatchee uh, and all over uh, central Washington in particular and all the way down to Oregon. From the from the border down to Oregon, they cover a lot of ground, have growers all over the place. It's a cooperative uh, of fruit growers. Fruit and, and some of these really labor-intensive crops – that we have here in Washington that are, are 
unique or a specialty to us, make us particularly vulnerable as a farming community to these um, rapidly increasing costs for labor, right? I mean, that, that's a big part of it. It's, it's different than growing wheat and having one guy in a combine and one guy in a you know, truck and a grain cart. You know, it, it takes a lot of people. How, how many people, you know, between all the growers that you work with, how many people are we talking about that, that you're connected with even just for the, the harvest? I mean, it's probably thousands, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's thousands. Uh, I mean, each uh, each grower depends on an acreage, of course. But uh, I mean, I got growers that uh, at, at one point they got three hundred guys picking at once, and and it, it is that's, that is the most expensive input uh, of any farm, at least in the fruit industry, is is labor labor cost. Now, talk about your story a little bit, Eric. You grew up around farm work. You've you've been around this your whole life, right? Yeah, basically, uh, I came to the states uh, back in '95. I was uh, nine years old, and since since day one, I mean, my first night in the, in the United States was uh, uh, sleeping under a walnut orchard in Stockton, California, hmm. picking picking cherries. And and yeah, basically, it was uh, we didn't we grew up not knowing what weekends were. Basically, we just yeah. worked throughout and summers, you know, for us, for my my brothers and. Uh, that that was what we're taught, you know, uh, hard work, and that was our opportunity to make money. So yeah, the more you worked, the more money you earned, and and, and that was that was fine, you know. Uh, even at at points, you know, we we would work in the morning picking cherries, came noon, and then uh, we would go home, and then once the evening hit, we'd go back and and uh, pick for some growers in, in the evening uh, when the yeah. cool uh, the the weather kind of cooled down. So. Uh, basically working long hours was not was not an issue and right. so now now that they are limiting those hours uh again is it was such a mis miscommunication that this was going to have a, a great impact on this on these workers yeah ex- explain that because coming from a, a family of uh, folks in farming and farm work, don't you want workers to make more money? I'm sure people would say, you know, shouldn't you be in support of this? How, how is it that you've come to the, the perspective that you have now? You know, uh, it was just kind of interesting. So I, uh, so I, I still keep communication with some of my high school teachers, you know, and, and so we, we took a drive the other way to, uh, to Oroville and, so I'm, I'm I'm talking to to my teacher about this, and I told him you know how the 40 hours and and he he was like well this is great I mean finally uh, the farm workers gonna get paid overtime and to me it's like wow I mean talk about the media being successful and 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 painting this this facade that is that it sounds great but it's not it's not happening. So I, I explained to him, you know, this, this, I'll give you one example with, with a family relative. So he, he currently is working for, for one of the biggest cherry growers in a, here in Wenatchee. And he, he's, he was working as an irrigator. So working as an irrigator, he would start an hour earlier than everybody else uh, to go change the water, check the sprinkler systems. And then he would go and, and join the other co-workers, uh, finish, finish the shift with them. And then uh, around six o'clock, he would go back and, and do the second change of water. And he would put uh, from two to three hours more 
So in a week he was putting he was putting uh, almost two two shifts more, uh, and then he was happy because you know what, I I came to the states to work and and uh, if they give me more hours, the more for me that is better for me. It keeps me out of trouble uh, instead of finishing my shift and then having the rest of the day with not nothing to do. I still have a couple more hours that I I'm, I'm gonna be working every day. So when this, when the whole 40 hour deal happened, they asked him to train somebody else. So now he's not putting that extra hour in the morning and he's not putting those two extra hours in the afternoon. So basically he's only working those 40 hours. So uh, that, that's the, that's the mm. answer that, that a lot of growers have, yeah. are doing is instead of having one guy working those extra hours, we'll just hire somebody else, even part-time, instead of maybe just give him uh, 20 hours a week. And that and that solves uh, the overtime deal, but it's affecting it's affecting everybody. So your family member it, does he live here or is he here as a guest worker? He's a he's a guest worker. A guest he, worker, he, uh, but he's a, a relative a, from back in in Mexico. In Me- in Mexico, yes. Got it. So and, and that that's what's happening is you know people are left with even though the program is really crazy expensive and adds a whole bunch of you know layers more of rules and regulations farmers are having to resort to that just to find the people to cover these extra labor needs that they have right absolutely you know and the other the other uh i guess phenomena there now at least i'm seeing is uh i manage uh besides my uh, field work I manage an orchard for Bluebird as well, and I get I get knocks on on the office literally every morning from from guys that are asking, "Can I work for you?" But it has to be paid cash because I already work for somebody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. But I already completed my forty hours. I just want to uh, make and, money. Yeah, they they just want to work. They just want to work, and unfortunately, the, the the grower cannot afford. They be I mean, if they could. They, they would, they would, because I mean, a lot of these workers have been working for them for many, many years, but unfortunately they cannot survive as a small grower yeah. and having to pay already the high cost of everything, all the inputs, and then having to pay overtime. Uh, unfortunately, and I say this because I, I've seen it, uh, several of my growers uh, that they've been generations on, on that farm, they're having to sell or lease out mm. Survive as farmers anymore. I've heard of of similar farms as well. Um, wow, uh, it's not a good situation. Uh, this is the farming show. I'm Dylan Honkoop uh, here on on KGMI Radio, uh, talking with Eric Savala. He's over in Eastern Washington. Uh, he's the director of field staff for Bluebird. Uh, uh, grower cooperative over there uh, growing tree fruit um, Eric you talk about and we just have a, a couple minutes left you talk about misinformation and disinformation what is that how, how does how does that work from from your vantage point you know um, so basically uh, so misinformation uh, to me is uh, a lot of a lot of people uh, when, when I was basically when I was when I was talking to my teacher about the 40 hours and how the, the work was going to get paid overtime. Uh, it, it sounds great, but uh, basically, it's almost they, they tell uh, it's it's telling the public what what looks great on paper, but it, it's almost like it was not it was not fully uh, studied or or, yeah. or projected what yeah. how the how it really wasn't affected. So it was it was almost like misleading 
uh, for the for the uh, workers, you know, the uh, the farm workers, that it was like, yeah, you're gonna get overtime after that, and it was like, well, that's great, you know, but they, they never anticipated that the 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 shock wave that it was gonna have, and and now, literally during harvest, all these workers that basically during harvest that there's no weekends again we go back to uh, yeah. how perishable the fruit is yeah and and, and yeah so workers were working uh, 60 70 hours at times and they were happy because they were putting all this time and it's only this short amount of time uh yeah. during harvest yeah because for the past couple of months there haven't it hasn't been that kind of work to do right no i mean back winter. in uh, mid yeah so in january we had that call snap i mean it was like almost a uh, seven to ten days are really cold weather so nobody was working so now they're all this these workers are are forced to go to their savings accounts and start uh, pulling money out and not putting money in and then we went to a uh, rainy weather so there's no work going on yeah. either so they only been working maybe just a week on, on this past uh, past two months. Well, and those savings and, accounts are what you're supposed to beef up in in the summer and harvest time when you get the extra hours. So when you get fewer hours and then it all evens out around the year. But if you can't get those hours during harvest time, then you're hurting in the wintertime. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's uh, that's exactly it. You know, and and then when you get and everybody knows this, I mean, when when the heater does not shut off all 24 seven because it's so cold, uh, you get the the bill on, on the mail and it's, 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 it's wow, you know, and, and and there's no input to those savings accounts. So, and then going back to the the disinformation, it again is, is, is almost, you know, I, I see some of the articles on uh, on the newspaper and it's some of the headings are, are, are misleading. It's like, uh, the workers uh, want the overtime, or and it's it's not. I guess personally, I, I I do not know of any worker, farm worker, that is happy with this yeah, law. That was something I, I was going to ask too. We are out of time, but interesting conversation, and it's been great to connect with you, Eric, and get to know you. I uh, can't wait to make it over to the east, eastern uh, side of the state as soon as I can uh, one of these days and uh, would love to, to get together with you over there when I am. Uh, Eric Zavala uh, with Bluebird, uh, tree fruit grower cooperative uh, in eastern Washington. Thanks for being with us on the program. Thanks what you for what you do, the role you play in, in growing great food and the famous fruit that we have here in Washington State, and, and we appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, we've got more coming up on the new documentary showing the detail of a local farm that decided to call it quits and why we get into that straight ahead when the farmers who called it quits join us themselves, they're featured in this new documentary. It's called Losing the Farm. We'll tell you all about it. Losingthefarm.com uh, is the website. We'll have all the details straight ahead as we continue here on The Farming Show on KGMI. High interest rates got you down for the count. Wilson's Furniture's President's Day Sale is the answer to get you up off the floor and on to new and oh so comfortable furniture now during the president's day sale wilson's is paying your sales tax and giving you same as cash financing that new mattress you've been thinking about boom get a queen size tempur for only 55 dollars a month 
Has that sofa you've had since the Sopranos were on finally gone and died on you? Wilson's has a power reclining sofa, love seat, and recliner set that'll make you feel like you're sleeping with the fishes for just 75 bucks a month. And if your patio set was blown away in that last windstorm, there's a beautiful five-piece patio set at Wilson's that's yours for only $35 a month. No interest and no sales tax add up to huge savings at Wilson's. Stop in now during the President's Day sale and save. Wilson's open seven days a week on Pacific Highway in Ferndale. See store for financing details available OAC. Lindale Glass is your premier window and door company in Whatcom and Skagit County. With over 35 years of professional installation experience, you can rely on the dedicated employees at Lindale Glass to provide an exceptional install. Lindale Glass features Milgard windows and doors, leading the industry with innovative, high-quality products. You can be assured of a product that is customized for your home. No shortcuts, no gimmicks, just excellent service and exceptional quality from Milgard. Visit a Lindale showroom to learn more or online at lindaleglass.com. Hey, Les Schwab Tires here. Right now, you can save up to $150 on select sets of four tires during our Founders Celebration Sale. So stop in, save some money, and help your family stay safe on the road. You'll see we have plenty of tire savings to go around, and around, and around, and around. Check out our tires on sale and book an appointment at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing since 1952. Limited time offer while supplies last. See Les.com slash sale for details. Bringing the world to Whatcom County and Northwest Washington. Inflation. You have a piece up right now about inflation as a monster that once it's breathing, it's scary. When did that happen the last time that it was that scary? The John Bachelor Show, weekday evenings from 6 to 10. The last time it happened, it was that scary. It started in the late 60s and really took off in the 70s. On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM. Streaming live at MyBellinghamNow.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. No gimmicks, just the highest quality systems, 0% interest financing, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Rely on West Mechanical heating, air conditioning, and electrical. Contact them today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and mybellinghamnow.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. It's not an easy thing when a family farm decides they can't go on and it's happened a lot more than people realize around here across the country but certainly it's starting to happen here in Washington State here in western Washington here in Whatcom and and Skagit counties and it's an important phenomenon that people need to understand why this is happening. A lot of people will say, oh, you know, farms are getting too big or, you know, we don't have all the family farms we used to. Well, but why? Let's be honest with that. What are the real stories? And a story that I've alluded to here on the program is now going fully public. You know, it, it was too raw and too too real early on to to get into the details and share all the details of the folks this was affecting. But this is a local farm in the Linden area, a seed potato farm. And you probably know who I'm talking about now if, if you're in the local farming community. 
that made a very, very hard decision less than a a year ago. Welcome to the Farming Show this morning. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI and the Save Family Farming Podcast as well, which is where we'll share this after we get off the air here on SoundCloud. Joining me right now are Jeff and Diana Bedlington, seed potato, well, now former seed potato farmers. They were one of the one of the few remaining family seed potato farms in this special seed potato growing region that we've talked we've Jeff, we've had you on the program before in the past talking about seed potatoes and the ins and outs of how it works and what's going on with the weather and what's happening in the field and new technology and all that kind of stuff. You folks had to make a very hard decision though, to not continue on last year um i don't know who wants to go first maybe maybe diana since i don't think we've had you here on the program before we'll we'll let you go first to say just in in the briefest of nutshells how why did you have to make this decision um well hello dylan (laughs) it is really nice to be here and it is really hard to be here um one of the things that um, Jeff and I have talked a lot about and our family, um, our son in love and our daughter, um, Blake and Clara Tavaldi, they were in the fourth year of a five-year buyout. And um, there are a lot of reasons. We have a three-year-old grandson who loves John Deere's. And um, when our children got in, we said families first. Um, we will always celebrate Christmases together because we knew farming was hard. Um, yeah. Blake and Clara were fourth generation. It's really hard um, on families oftentimes. It's really hard on families. Um, and a lot of people think farming is a wonderful, beautiful thing. You play outside, you drive tractors, <laughs> low key, low stress. Um, some of that is true. It is beautiful to be outside and take care of the soil and feed America. Uh, those yeah. are the beautiful things of farming, but there are a lot of really hard things in farming and they're getting harder and harder. Um, I can, for example, um, the water rights lawsuit issue is one um, time and a half. Um, the minimum wage increased in Washington the, the time and a half law um, for people not in egg is um, if you work over 40 hours a week, um, you need to pay time and a half. Well, in egg, during planting and harvest, and if you're dairying all the time, you can hit 40 hours a week. Jeff, what do you think? We were working 80 sometimes hours <laughs> yeah, a week. It's, it's a lot of hours. Um, yes, it, and that all costs money. And then the expenses of the inputs went up. Um, our fuel bill went up from 2021 to 2022, more than tripled. Our, um, oh, I'm just thinking our fertilizer doubled. So, and people aren't paying double for their potatoes yet. <laughs> so yeah. at some yeah. point, the... Um, the physical and the emotional and the mental toll that it takes on your family. Um, And with all these added hardships, it it doesn't pencil out anymore um, financially or for a family. And so it's hard because farming is a way of life. You know, farming isn't just, Oh, I'm a farmer. 
it's one of the only jobs, well, farming, fishing, is we can do absolutely everything right. And it's that politics, economics, weather can impact your bottom line. So you don't get a bonus at the end of the year, even if you had you were a perfect farmer. Yeah. So I could go on forever. Yeah, absolutely. um, Well, sorry. (laughs) No. Your question. No, this is this is great, and and the reason why we share this story, I guess I forgot to mention at the beginning, is a, a lot more detail about Jeff and Diana's story is going public this coming week. Thursday is a special day, and and some of you, particularly on social media and a few other places, may have seen the teaser, the trailer for the new documentary coming out, sharing Jeff and Diana's story in more detail, and with a lot of the raw emotion as well, because you can imagine, I mean, you can hear it in Diana's voice, uh, but you know there's so much more to it than that. Um, because your whole life is wrapped up in this and then to have, and not just your, your life, but your, your family's history and legacy generations back. And what does that all mean? And all the things that go into that, Jeff, I'm going to bounce it to you, you know, telling this story and, you know, we interviewed you guys on video for this documentary some months back. Uh, we've been adding a few other voices in putting this whole piece together to share with the world coming up on Thursday. It's, it's February. February 15th, Thursday is the day that the full uh, story is to be released at losingthefarm.com. It's a special website just for the documentary, folks, and it'll be on YouTube as well as on uh, Whatcom Family Farmers and Save Family Farming's uh, profiles on Instagram and Facebook and, and, again, YouTube as well. So those are all the places that you can find it on Thursday when we release it. But, Jeff, why, I don't know, going through this, how hard is it to, to share this story? This isn't an easy thing to talk about, um, but you guys feel it's an important thing to do. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, no, we, you know, when we went into this, um, you know, years ago, I mean, I'm third generation. Um, Blake, our son-in-law and daughter, we're going to be fourth generation. And we have a, a fifth generation that is coming up, but we started this, you know, quite a number of years ago. We worked uh, with our accountants and stuff, you know, as a succession plan. And so uh, we had this great plan. It would look wonderful. We had everybody, you know, had it, all our I's dotted, T's crossed. And um, in a blink of an eye, that's all done, you know. And we had really no say in the matter. I mean, it was just, you know, a lot of these decisions were made for us. And so, you know, Blake, who was was operating the farm, uh, on this, on the current plan, you know, and it just, he's a brilliant it, young man. He is brilliant. He did mm-hmm. everything right. We could not no, be this prouder was, this was a and family, we're honored to walk with him. This was a family decision um, yes. to shut it down for sure. But, um, you know, one of the hardest things that I have to see is that uh, it stops here. You know, I mean, my grandfather started this in the fifties and we've been doing this a long time and now it's, that's it it's done. And, uh, that, that's, that's where the, the generational on our farm, the generation stops with with us. I can't imagine that part of it. And, you know, my, my dad recently ended his farm, uh, within the last couple of years. And I know how hard that was. Well, that was just one generation, just him. Um, Mm -hmm. granted, you know, my grandparents and great grandparents, my farm, my family has been in farming for a long time. 
but the farm itself was just one generation. I can't imagine with that kind of legacy behind you, the pressure that you must feel. One of the more dramatic, and by the way, this is the farming show on KGMI. I'm Dylan Honkoop. We're talking with Jeff and Diana Bedlington. Um, seed former seed potato growers based in, in the Linden area in Whatcom County um, grew seed potatoes again for a long time as we're acknowledging here multi-generational family farm seed potatoes that were sold across the country um, for people growing commercial potato you know your french fries your potato chips your bakers everything uh, specialty stuff that you see in the store they they had some niche products that they uh, were great at growing um, and that farm cascade farms is no longer and, and one of the most dramatic moments i think in this film that we're talking about documenting your story that is released this this coming week on thursday that the film losing the farm comes out at dramatic moment when diana you and jeff talk about you know blake had been your son-in-law blake had been you know working the numbers looking at all of the mm-hmm. risks and coming to Jeff and saying, I don't think we can do this. What should we do? And Jeff answering, and, and then you talking about having to tell Jeff, people that. What did you that. say? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was definitely, it was the hardest decision we've ever had to make in our life because we know it's affecting other people. Besides, you know, it's it's affecting our grandson, you know, our son-in-law and daughter. Um, but our crew, it just, our crew. Uh, yeah, it, and that's just it. I mean, our crew was our family, so. Um, you know, that was, that was the hardest part was, was telling our crew that we had to, we had to change gears and go another direction. And we had to be quiet. Yeah. For about 10 days after we had met, um, with our phenomenal accountants, um, and we had to get some things in order. And those 10 days we were all physically ill Mm -hmm. before we could tell our crew, because it wasn't just us. Um, our shortest time crew or had been here for five years and our longest has been with us for 45 years. And to us, we wanted to grow a great product, but it's also all about relationships. Like Jeff said, our crew was our family and we had husband and wife teams and children coming up and we celebrated graduations, quinceañeras, you know, we were so proud. Um, I mean, we had and, kids of our crew that were starting to work for us also. Yes. And, and so it was, you know, it's, it's, it's gone full, full circle for those, our families that w- work for us. And that, yeah. That was, that is, I still cry. Um, going to school this year, I work part-time at school just because I love that. And um, going to school this year typically would be harvest. You know, we're getting yeah. ready for harvest. I'd go give the hug a crew, have a great day, you know, be home after escuela. <laughs> and um, it just threw off my whole routine because yeah. my core, my base of, hey, I'll be back. You know, they were gone. <laughs> why, why do you got, obviously this is hard even just to talk about. And this is still, I mean, it's been a while, but it hasn't been that long, really, in the grand scheme of things, since you guys made this decision, had to tell your crew, had to go public with it, uh, wrap yeah. the farm up, you know, finish up operations. I, I can imagine the the heavy emotions of going through auctioning off what you had for the farm, all of that, and you've been through all of that now. Why why are you wanting to speak out about this? I know you this is is really important to you, Diana. Um 
I don't want to speak for Jeff, but um, we wouldn't, we don't actually want to speak out unless it was with you, Dylan, because we trust you um, and you have been a friend forever. But um, there's a couple reasons. Um, the n- number one reason is um, we don't want this to be a political issue, a Republican or Democrat yeah. issue. We want this to be a sit down at the table. We want people to know that decisions that are being made, how it impacts farming. And we don't, you know, that's number one. We are the poster people for we want our families to make a living wage. We want them to be paid fair. We want to farm right. We, you know, we, but in farming, you can't work 40 hours a week and just get another crew in. Our mm-hmm. crew was specially trained. It took us years to train our, and our crew was the best. They knew a potato from when a baby little tuber came on the ground to when we shipped something and Mm. where it came from, how it looked, everything. Um, Those you can't, that is a huge impact. Um, Just that is one of the reasons is we want people to understand that decisions being made do matter. Um, And then another one was um, farming. The suicide rate is 20% higher. Hmm. Um, on an average farmers, um, and men and women are farmers, which I'm thrilled to say there are some great female farmers out there and mental health is really important to Jeff and I. And that's another reason we wanted to talk and be honest. Um, we were both raised in Linden and Jeff, this is when I need you to help me speak out. Um, we were raised in Linden where it wasn't talked about a lot. Yep. Um, and it's important to Jeff and I to break that stigma because um, we couldn't have gotten through this um, without some friends and family and safe people. Yep. Um, great therapists. We're advocates for therapy, yeah. medicine if you need it. And people um, sometimes are afraid to talk about it. And it's, it is very common, um, especially after COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, anxiety is up 25%. That's another reason we believe um, that we did the right thing because it was a decision as a family unit. And we still love and support our family unit. Um, we're so proud of our kids. Um, but if people can learn from what we've been through and know that it is okay to say you're not okay, yeah. Um, and, yeah. and it's okay yeah. to talk about some of these hard things, then it's a win. Absolutely. You know, and people who is a win. People who've listened to me on the air know that I'm a proponent of that. I've been open a bit about some of my own struggles with mental health. And I, I just think it's important people be able to talk about it and not hide in the shadows. Uh, couldn't agree with you more. And that's why I'm, I'm just honored that you guys would trust me with your story. Um, and just, yeah, yeah, it's a privilege for me to be in this position, to be part of the team helping share your story. You. Again, the, the new documentary is coming out this week, Thursday, February 15th. It's called Losing the Farm. It is the Jeff and Diana Bedlington story of of their family farming and why they chose to call it quits. And and it's not a a story of there's just one thing. That's a big part of the story for me to share with folks. It's not just one thing. 
you know, and, and it's like there's the term, the straw that broke the camel's back. It, the straw that breaks the camel's back isn't always even the biggest one. You know, it takes a lot of them. And that's how it is with farming, you know, and, and how many hurdles and roadblocks can you survive until you finally get to the point where you folks did? Um, what was the, and we just have, you know, a minute or so remaining, Jeff, what, what was the other option for you guys? I mean, you, you, I know you said you could have, could have tried to keep going, but it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. I mean, we could have, uh, tried it, but, but we weren't, I mean, I'm not, we're not, even though we're farmers, that's a risk as it is, but there's only a certain amount of risk that you can take in, uh, in a farming operation. And that was not one that we were willing to 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 try yeah it's well just, think about uh, how many people that affects yeah yeah and that's the thing too it's it doesn't just affect us as farmers you know it's all the suppliers it's all i mean it's just the whole community um uh, suffers when in a situation like like this i mean it's just one less business there to to work with and um you know we're not the only ones there's there's a lot of people that are in the same boat as we are. It's just a matter of, yes. you know, when, when it's, when it, when, and if it's going to happen. Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly why I think the story is so important that it's so personal and specific to you guys, yet it's so true in so many aspects of other people's situation as well. And it, it, I worry for how many more people will be going through this in the coming months and years, um, considering the pressures that just continue to pile up. And, and it makes a lot of people want to say enough is enough. Again, their story will be shared. Uh, you, you can see the trailer for it now. Losingthefarm.com is the website. Losingthefarm, all one word, dot com. Go there. Just the trailer is up there, but on Thursday, we will be releasing the full documentary with Jeff and Diana Bedlington, who we've been talking with here on the program. Again, it's called Losing the Farm. You can also see it on Facebook if you follow Watkin Family Farmers or Save Family Farming. Uh, we've shared it there. You can follow us on tr- Twitter as well, Instagram, Save Family Farming, and Watkin Family Farmers uh, on YouTube. Uh, we'll have it available there as many platforms as possible. Uh, Uh, for people to be able to experience this story and and join with you folks in the journey that that, uh, the film takes folks on exploring um, really the the realities that farming here in the Pacific Northwest and and probably much farther beyond is facing right now. Jeff and Diana Bedlington, thanks for taking the time to chat with me on the program uh, this morning. And more importantly, thanks for for sticking your neck out and having the, the trust in me and, and my team here uh, to share your story that's so personal um, with us, through us, to the world. We, we really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Dylan. 